So we were we were drawn to come here because of the beautiful atmosphere that you've created. Thank you, all of you. I offer my respectful obeisances to my spiritual master, His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and to all of you, because you are Vaishnavas and therefore the most worshipable in the three worlds. Hare Krishna. Tonight, Bhaktin Vrinda is going to be taking first initiation. And now we'll chant together the verses of the Brahma Samhita, a comment about the Achmana. This mantra we all just chanted together, Oma Pavitra Pavitrova. Pavitra means to be purified and Apavitra means to be in a state of contamination. So the verse says that whatever state you're in, pure or impure, when you remember the lotus-eyed Supreme Personality of God, you become purified inwardly and outwardly. All circumstances and um, aspects of your life become purified. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Manmana bhavamad bhakto, just think of me. And because Krishna is like the sun, he purifies everything that he comes in contact with. Just by remembering him, then we become purified inwardly and our senses become directed towards serving him. The Brahma Samhita, which we'll chant a few select verses from, is a prayer which was composed uh, spontaneously by Brahma. Brahma is the first being in the material universe who's created by Mahavishnu. He comes out on the lotus flower, lotus stem that comes from the navel of Mahavishnu, and he's not sure of his origin, where he comes from. And he begins to search out to the bottom of the lotus flower that goes all the way to the causal ocean to find out where he's come from, what his origin is. He's in darkness. And then he hears the <coughs> syllables, ta, pa. And these syllables mean to focus the mind, concentrate on the Supreme. So he does that for many thousands of years until Krishna reveals himself. And in his revelation of Krishna, he begins to spontaneously sing these prayers, the Brahma Sanghita. He describes the form of Krishna, the beauty of Krishna, Krishna's associates, the spiritual world and what it looks like. And a lot of the siddhanta of the, or the philosophy behind the Krishna consciousness movement is summarized in the Sri Brahma Samhita. Actually, this prayer obviously is thousands, millions of years old. It was preserved in a, a scroll that was discovered by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he was traveling in South India. At the Adikeshva temple, he found it, and he had it copied. Because back then, there was no kinkos. You had to do everything by scribes who would copy by hand. So he had multiple copies made and he had them distributed to his favorite uh, disciples and devotees. 
And that uh, prayer has been passed down since the time of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu all the way. Sri Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was especially fond of it and recommended that one sing it as a regular daily function. During our greeting of the deities at Iskon temples, you hear the song, Govindamari Purusham Tamahamajami, which actually became a, a, a smash hit on the radio when George Harrison helped to pr produce the song and Jamuna sang it back in the 60s. And uh, when I was in Chicago in 1975, there was a big initiation ceremony and uh, I had been invited to learn this verse, these verses along with a few other devotees and sing them during the ceremony and afterwards Prabhupada said that he liked it very, very much and we should do it regularly at initiation ceremonies or any fire ceremony. And so we continue that tradition today. So we'll start with Ishvara Paramakrishna and then we're going to switch to Chintamani Prakara Sadmasu. And then we'll go through until we get to Shriya Kanta Kanta. If that doesn't mean anything to you, don't worry. You can just follow along. Hare Krishna. Thank you. We wear these flowers because they help to make the heart soft. You only get them at Hare Krishna temples or in Hawaii. So this initiation ceremony is one of the items of out of 64 mentioned in the Bhakti Samrita Sindhu, summarized in the Nectar of Devotion by Srila Prabhupada. There are 64 items of devotional service. It means there are various practices that are quintessentially considered to be the practice of bhakti. The practice of bhakti is the ways in which we engage our senses in the service of the master of the senses. And by doing that, we regain our spiritual health, we purify our senses, and we feel fully enlivened. Sarvopati Muktam. This is a verse I'm going to quote that comes from the Narda Pancharacha, which is mentioned <coughs> in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. I'm referring to this book because it's the guidebook for those who are practicing Bhakti Yoga. It's written by our primary Acharya, Rupa Goswami. Sarvopati Muktam Tapratnena Nirmalam Rishikena Rishikesha Sevanam Bhaktira Uchite. So Bhakti means to engage our senses in the service of the master of the senses. And when we do that, then the senses become purified and they come back to their original healthy state. And one of the processes of bhakti is to take initiation from a bona fide spiritual master. This means that Krishna avails himself to us in this material world to give us help at every stage in order to reestablish our eternal relationship with him. According to the prayers personified Vedas, has anybody here read Krishna book? Three people. If you don't have a Krishna book, see me afterwards. We'll arrange to get you one. It's a, it's a summary of, of the 10th canto, the Srimad Bhagavatam. It's all stories about Krishna and it includes a very philosophical section as well called the Prayers of Personified Vedas. And in there, the Personified Vedas, if you can imagine such uh, individuals who are Vedas but they're in personal form, say that the 
the most important pastime of Krishna is his saving us from the material world. And he does everything he can to attract our attention, to bring us back to our original condition. He describes in the Bhagavad Gita that the material world for us as spiritual souls is a place of misery. And he invites us in the Srimad Bhagavatam to look around and see for ourselves and understand that this isn't, a, our temp, this isn't our permanent home, it's a temporary place. So initiation is one of the ways in which Krishna extends himself to us and gives us an opportunity to connect with him locally. As although Krishna is there within the heart, we may not be hearing him directly. And although he's there in the spiritual world, we may not be seeing him all the time. But a spiritual master, both the Vartmana, all the different forms of gurus, the Vartmana Pradakshaka Guru, which is the guru who shows the path to devotional service. Who is your Vartmana Pradakshaka Guru, Bhaktin Vrinda? The first one who introduced you to the path of devotional service. Srila Prabhupada, so you came in contact with a book? And did somebody give it to you? You found it in a thrift store. It's the best bargain we ever, you ever got, right? So there's a way in which uh, the person who first shows us the path, the devotional service, is the person who shines light on the path and says, here, here it is. That person is respected as guru. And then there's the shiksha guru. Shiksha means instruction. And so there are gurus who instruct us and tell us how to move on the path of devotional service in order to make advancement. There can be many. And then there's a Diksha Guru. The Diksha Guru is one who gives one the mantra. And all of these gurus are vital for our making progress on the path back to Godhead. And all of them are respected as representatives of Krishna. Just like if you go to a big telescope to look at the heavens, the telescope has a big end and a small end. And if you demand to look in the big end, you won't see much. But if you look in that tiny little small end, then it extends outwardly and you can see much. So the guru who's a local person who comes to us to give us a connection and to give us guidance and instructions on the path of devotional services like that. And through the guru, Krishna reveals himself. This is one of the ways in which it is mentioned throughout the Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, for instance, in the Gita, Krishna says, Tadvidi pranipatena pariprashnena sevaya upadakshantite jnanam jnaninas tatvadarshinaha. In order to understand the truth, Krishna says you should approach a person who's in knowledge of the truth and then humbly render service, inquire submissively, and uh, be pranipat be open and available for the knowledge that he or she is giving. And in the Bhagavatam it is said, Tasma Gurum Prapadyeta Jignasu Shreya Uttamam, Shabde Parichanishnatam Brahman Yupashramashrayam. There's a description in the Bhagavatam about the complexities of the material world and then the word Tasmad, which means therefore you should find someone who has thoroughly studied and understood the, the Vedas and can explain them to you in a way to, that you can get out of these perplexities. Tasmad gurum prapadyeta jignasu shreya utamu. Shabde parichanishnata means the person you approach should have taken a dip in the ocean of transcendental knowledge. 
and also be steady in the practice of devotional service. And uh, this person is sometimes compared to a, uh, an attorney. When you get in uh, legal trouble, or there's the prospect of getting in legal trouble, then you don't want to do it yourself. Of course, you go to YOLO.com, but I wouldn't advise it. Uh, best to get somebody who's the most expert who can uh, help you, who already knows the law books and knows the ways of the, the court. Of course, I saw a, a t-shirt once that said, a good lawyer knows the law and a great lawyer knows the judge. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, mandated by Rupa Goswami. He said, Adal Vashrayam. In the beginning, when you're following the process of devotional service, you should approach Guru. This is a, a way of approaching Krishna with humility locally. And so, uh, in the Gita, Krishna, after he says you should approach a, a person of, uh, who has knowledge and can give it to you, then he says, uh, what will you get from such a person? And that is that you'll understand, actually, that you're part of Krishna. That is the information that you get from a bona fide spiritual master. Not that you are Krishna, or um, not that there's no God, or any such thing, but the, the clear knowledge coming from Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam is that you're an eternal servant of Krishna. Yeah, you can all move up 7.3 inches. There's a few more... Huh? few hundred more people coming so so Prabhupada gave this analogy which I've always appreciated and he said that as spiritual souls as being part and parcel of Krishna when we're connected to Krishna we're very valuable and when we're doing service for him when we become disconnected we're like a little screw that's in a machine when the screws in the machine it has great importance because it's doing its part in the machine and it holds together but if that little screw comes out then the machine doesn't work properly and I remember once when I was in junior high school and my favorite time was when the teacher would roll in the projector because it meant we got to listen to watch a movie rather than listen to a boring lecture from the teacher and one of the rascally kids in the room during the, the break had taken a little screw out of the machine just as an act of rascaldom and, and, and you know because kids at that age they can be very um, they can be overactive so then when she put on the machine we thought it was insignificant we thought it was funny that he took it out but then uh, the picture wouldn't come straight on the screen it was uh, it was moving up and down and we couldn't view it and of course we were really disappointed and nobody wanted to turn him in either but I realized at that time how important one little screw could be. It had its part. And once it was out of the projector, it really didn't have much significance. He probably threw it along the, the pathway on the playing field somewhere and it got buried and it may be still there, I don't know. Somewhere in California, buried under layers and layers of dirt. And one day when I was walking at Govardhan Hill, I felt something under my foot and I looked down there and there was a little uh, lump and I picked it up and it was a screw. <laughs> and I remember this analogy that Prabhupada gave of the screw. And I brushed it off and then I washed it and I took it home and I, I contemplated it and I was looking at it and thinking, 
this poor little screw. It's, it, it had its glory days. It was connected to some machine that, and it had a very important place. But now it's, it's forlorn, it's lost. It has no meaning anymore, no value when it's separated from its original purpose and its, its source. So we're like that. We're extremely significant when we're connected to bhakti. It means when, we're, when we find some service for Krishna and we're connected through the process that Krishna himself extends to us. So what you're doing today, entering into this process of initiation, very deliberately, purposefully, knowing what you're doing, is, is an act of surrender to Krishna. It's an act of reconnection to the origi our original divine source, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And when we do that, then we more and more remember our original purpose. And even the simplest acts of, of devotional service, the simplest acts that we, that we can do, are completely satisfying to the self. Therefore, the Srimad Bhagavatam says, Savai pum samparo tarmo yato bhakti radhoksaje ahaitu kia pratiyata yayatma supasidati. The only way to be truly happy is to be engaged in unmotivated, uninterrupted service to the Lord. So the world's a little complex because when we decide that we'd like to take to devotional service, it's, it's not that the world just lets us go automatically. Or, more likely, it's difficult for us to let go and focus our attention on devotional service. We have many duties to do. We have many things in our life that call for our attention. Does that sound reasonably accurate to you? Yes. Yeah, we have a few things. So, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells us that, and this is in the fourth chapter of the Gita, that if you use those things in Krishna's service, and the relationships that you have are also connected to Krishna consciousness, then they become spiritualized. They're no longer material things, and they're no longer a source of complexity, a cause of complexity in our life, but they also take on a spiritual quality. And Srila Prabhupada used to give this analogy. He said that if you take an iron rod and you put it in fire, and you leave it in the fire, it'll become hotter and hotter until the rod itself becomes red hot. And then it's made a complete transformation from just being an iron rod to being fire. And if you've ever seen this at a blacksmith, you'll notice that actually this is a, a, a full transformation. Recently in Japan, I was in the mountains in Takayama, and there are some blacksmiths there. And in the town of Takayama, they, the blacksmiths are open, so you can see them. They're, they're in some shops along the street. So in the morning when I walked by, I saw them putting these iron rods into the fire. And when I came back a couple hours later, I saw that those iron rods were then red hot. And I could no longer see the difference between the rod and the fire. So the process of transforming our life and all the things in it means to keep everything engaged in divine service. So the difference between material life and spiritual life is selfless service. Whatever we may have now, we needn't give up. However, if we engage it in Krishna's service and connect it to Krishna, then in the Gita, 
Krishna says, Brahmarpanam Brahma Havir Brahma Gnau Brahmanohutam Tenaiva Brahma Gantavyam Brahma Karma Samadina. And he gives this example, actually, it's, a, it's an analogy that's very close to us now, because here before us we have this uh, fire pit for the ceremony. This is a uh, kind of ceremony that's been performed for thousands and thousands of years in which mantras are uttered to invite Krishna to appear in the form of fire. And then uh, we offer ourselves through the grains into the fire and make vows. And he says in this verse that the person who's offering the, the ghee and the grains into the fire, the person who's participating in the fire ceremony, as well as all the paraphernalia, like here we have a copper uh, fire pit and we have these wooden spoons. So he gives this example that although these are wood, when they're used in the service of Krishna through the fire ceremony, then the wood actually becomes spiritualized because of its connection to Krishna, its reconnection. This is called yoga. The fire pit, the fire, the person offering, it all becomes spiritualized. And so the science of Krishna consciousness is very practical. It's not about <coughs> renunciation. For we can't renounce because by nature we're attached or even by nature we're addicted. Uh, we, that's the nature of the self is to be attached, utterly attached to something. So the idea that one can now give up the world and just renounce all the things is not practical. And people who do that eventually snap back the other way. And then they embrace the world again. So the Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita recommend that one take the path of selfless service to the Supreme and use everything in the service of Krishna. And when we do that, then not only are these things no longer uh, a burden to us, but they actually become a, a great source of happiness. Because you might have noticed this, if you're not engaged, you're not happy. Like sometimes when I'm driving somewhere, I notice that in my neighborhood, people are out cutting grass. Like on Tuesdays, everyone comes out and cuts grass and blows the leaves around. Do you have that here? You've got leaves, right? And people who uh, blow them around. They, to me, they always look happy. Yeah, I know they're making a, li a livelihood and stuff, but they're gainfully employed and they're satisfied because they're moving. They're using their senses in some kind of... They have a mission, they have a goal. They're, and you know, other people going to work, although going to work may be slightly a, a, a drudgery in people's lives. Same time, we don't like to be idle. And Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, we can't. Nahi kashit shanamapi jatu tishya karma krit he said, none of the living entities can stop moving even for a moment. Even when we go to sleep, we're still dreaming and imagining a life of a movement in the, in the dream world. That's how active we are. So to engage that activity in Krishna's service, uh, if ordinarily even engaging the senses seems like it's edifying. So when we engage our senses in the service of Krishna, then we really feel satisfied. And it's counterintuitive to think of doing selfless service because oftentimes in this world there's a sense that I have to uh, work for myself in order to become happy. I have to accumulate. But through the process of bhakti, one learns that actually when we serve Krishna and we feed Krishna and we give to Krishna, then we become nourished naturally. 
But when we try to satisfy ourselves, we're not so nourished. Just as if the hand, which is a part of the body, tries to independently enjoy food, it will be a little uh, ridiculous. You know, if the, if the hand's sitting and they're eating, and you say, what are you doing? It's like, I'm eating. It's like, no, no, you feed the mouth that goes to the stomach. And then you'll be nourished. When the hand cooperates with the rest of the body, with the stomach, and feeds the stomach, then it becomes nourished because the stomach then distributes the energy everywhere to all the limbs. So Krishna's like that. In the Gita he says, Bhuktaram jagatapasam sarvaloka maheshvaram suriram sarvabhutaram gyatva mam shantim brichati. He says, in order to be happy, remember that I'm like the stomach. And if you cooperate with me, if you feed me, then you'll be satisfied, you'll be happy. Now the th third point I'd like to make is that, by the way, what's the first point I made? I gave analogies, so, it, so you can go back to the analogies, make it easy. The first one was? That was the second one, iron second. Was the first? The screw, what about the screw? Yeah, didn't anybody, anybody tell you you got a screw loose? <laughs> well, that's one thing. When the screw comes all the way out, then you're really in trouble. Uh, and the screw's separated from the machine. It has, no longer has employment. It doesn't mean anything anymore. A little screw, I don't think you could even sell it. You can put it on eBay and see what you get. It's like, I have a little screw I found it on the ground. It's like, get out of here, you're crazy. Uh, so in the second analogy... Iron rod. Engage what you have. It's very practical. We don't renounce for the sake of renouncing. We engage whatever we have in selfless service to the Supreme. And when we do that, things become transformed. And the third analogy I'd like to give, although I did give another analogy after that, didn't I? Yeah, the stomach. It's analogy night here. So, and the fourth is as about acoustic resonance. Of course, we, we're all familiar with the idea of uh, resonance, but uh, let me make it a little more scientific and related to this process of Krishna consciousness and what you're doing tonight. And you're taking what's called Harinam initiation, and you're accepting the holy name from a spiritual master. And of course, the holy name is open to everyone. It's, it's not really required that you take uh, initiation for the, for the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra because it's an open mantra. It's written in a form that anybody can chant it. It's not like the Gayatri mantras that you, are secret. You have to get them from a guru. And uh, Mahaprabhu says this in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's an open mantra. We don't hold it back. We go out into the street and chant it and let everybody hear it, right? Say yes. yes. Correct. So, but, so why are you taking first initiation? Well, our acharyas have said, uh, led by Jiva Goswami, the, the greatest intellect of, of all time, has said that when you take this Harinam initiation uh, from a, a guru, it's very important because he says this is, uh, establishes a, a connection with Krishna through humility. Because you're accepting the shelter of the disciplic succession through a Vaishnav who's in the disciplic succession. And this is important because the mood in which we chant the, the Maha Mantra is very important. And so both Jiva Goswami and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur in his commentary to the sixth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam in the story of Ajahn say, 
that if there is a Vaishnav available who can give you the, the holy name and you take shelter of the Vaishnav and the holy name through that process called Harinam initiation, then uh, Krishna gives you a special facility to make advancement in chanting because it's an act of surrender to do so. And then he says, does Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, if you don't take it when it's available from a Vaishnava and you say, that's all right, I'll just do it on my own, then you're committing the third offense to the holy name, which is to disobey the orders of the spiritual master. So the Acharyas considered important, as does uh, Krishna, from some of the evidence I gave earlier, that when approach a spiritual master receive the holy name, this is also mentioned in the Harinam Chintamani, that when one takes initiation into the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra from a Vaishnava guru, then one can attain the perfection of chanting. So, uh, about the, the Mahamantra, the Mahamantra is not a material sound, it's a spiritual sound. We are made up of dual energy. Or more accurately, we're spiritual beings, but we're riding around in a gross and subtle material body. And the gross elements of the material body are described by Krishna in the Gita. Bhumir apo analo vayu kammano budir evasha ahankara itiyame vina prakadir ashtada. What are they? Earth, water, air, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and ego. So these are the five, these are the eight gross and material Gross, subtle, and uh, gross and, and subtle material elements. Then Krishna says, "Aparayam itastonyam prakritim vidhime param jiva bhuta mahabaho yedam taritejagat." Besides these, there's a superior energy, which is this energy of the atma or the soul. It's categorically different from matter, even the most subtle of matter, which is the mind and the intellect, and that. Atma resides in the region of the heart, along with the Paramatma. Now, there is a, a little bit of complexity because I'm identified with the body, and my chitta, or my uh, consciousness, has shrunken. And it's also polluted with many elements called uh, impulses or vrittis that come from the outside world that get stored up. So I've got a contracted and very darkened vritti. Or, or chitta, and how can that be purified and expanded? It comes through the process of uh, transcendental sound vibration. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said it when he uh, gave his shikshashtakam, when he said that by chanting the holy name of the Lord, that one purifies the consciousness. It cleanses the mirror of the mind. And you can uh, do an experiment to see how, uh, sound, how powerful sound vibration is. Scientists, scientific studies have shown that everything that is in this world has a characteristic resonance. That means when it's exposed to sound, it picks up from the spectrum of sound of another entity the, the particular uh, part of the spectrum of sound that is characteristic to itself, and then it begins to resonate. So when I talk about this in various places, like in corporations, I bring in with me two tuning forks. 
and I put them next to each other. And those of you who have had physics class have seen this before. Uh, they're mounted on a, a hollow box, each one of them. And along with my experiment comes a rubber mallet. And then I ask the crowd to be pin drop quiet, and then I smack one of the tuning forks with the rubber mallet, and it makes uh, a particular tune, because a tuning fork is tuned to a particular uh, note. Let's hear one note. Give us a note. One note. Okay, so imagine the tuning fork is making that note a little more. Now, I grab onto the tuning fork and stop the vibration. The note suddenly stops. <laughs> then, what happens is, everyone still hears the vibration. Where is it coming from? That's right. Because of the, the principle of acoustic resonance, the other tuning fork picks up the vibration from the spectrum. And because this, the tuning forks are, have the equal weight and size, they're almost identical, uh, it picks up the same note and it begins to vibrate in the same way, even though I didn't touch it. So in a similar way, the transcendental vibration that comes from the Maha Mantra, which is quintessentially spiritual, it comes from not this world but the spiritual world, resonates with our soul. When we come in contact with that mantra, we'll find that the chitta, uh, the consciousness expands. It becomes expansive and it becomes cleansed. And when that happens, we start to feel happiness. And this is where real happiness comes from. It's cliche to say happiness comes from within, but how do you do that? How do you actually find that happiness? Well, it comes from coming in contact with Krishna through transcendental sound, a sound vibration that's so powerful that it can both cleanse and expand our uh, chitta, which is the composite of our consciousness. So the practice of do, doing selfless service, engaging the senses as one's ongoing occupation, preoccupation in life, using everything that we have in life in the service of the Supreme, and you can even use your work. In other words, you don't have to quit your job to do bhakti yoga. If you're doing some work in the world, you can simply connect it to Krishna through remembering that I'm doing this for Krishna, and then you can also give some of the fruit of your work to Krishna. Don't worry, he'll give it back later as prasadam. And also, you can vibrate the Hare Krishna mantra. The Hare Krishna mantra is uh, 16 words, 32 syllables, and they're names of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, described by Rupa Goswami, one of the greatest teachers of bhakti, as Paramaksharakrite. He says this is the supreme combination of syllables. It's a formula. And when you apply this formula by repeating the Maha Mantra, especially if you put your sincere effort into it to try to call out to Krishna, then what happens is it, is it resonates with your soul. And you'll notice that you're becoming purified and that you're coming directly in contact with Krishna through the Maha Mantra. So Prabhupada says that the Maha Mantra has an equal effect on everyone, but we become receptive to it by being careful to avoid ten offenses. And the first offense is to blaspheme devotees who have dedicated their lives to propagating the holy name of the Lord all over the world. And the best advice that I can give you is 
to avoid criticizing devotees or hearing of criticism of devotees for any reason. Unless you get the unenviable position of being a manager or temple president and then everyone will bring you their problems and you'll have to deal with all kinds of things. But um, stay in a position where you're um, appreciative of, of Vaishnavas and don't participate in criticizing them. There's no need to. As Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur says, make it your preoccupation to find your own faults within yourself. Don't find them in others. Does that sound reasonable? Yes. Okay. And another one of the offenses is the seventh, seventh, seventh offense, which means don't develop a sense of entitlement. That means don't think, I'm liberated now so I can do whatever I want. Because that's an offense to the holy name who's availing himself to us, appearing in the, as, in the form of transcendental sound. And if I think that, well, I'm chanting Hare Krishna, therefore I can cut corners or do whatever I want, then that becomes a, an egregious offense that will make us stray from the path of, of bhakti. It's also an offense to be inattentive while chanting. And so it's always possible to be looking at one thing and thinking of something else. Like, have you ever been reading a book and you read a whole paragraph with your eyes, but then you realized that you were thinking about paying your taxes? And you didn't, if somebody asked you, what did you just read? You wouldn't be able to tell them one, one word in that, right? So when we're chanting, we have to become aware that we're chanting. Because when we give our attention to someone, we're expressing our love. And the quality of the attention that we give to the Holy Name will determine the quality of our spiritual life and the degree to which we advance in devotional service. So really, our main duty and your main duty as you take these vows is to maintain the chanting of 16 rounds with attention as much as possible, which is a little difficult when you're a mother because baby keeps you up all night and wants to, um, you know, eat at certain times. I'm, am I incorrect about that? No. So everyone has some kind of uh, complexity in their life, so you have to be inventive in ways to keep the vibration going and keep your vow going. And it's like medicine. When the doctor gives you a prescription, he or she will say, you know, take all of it. Don't stop at day nine. You've got to go all the way through to day 10, and you have to take two a day. Don't double up, and don't, well, of course, the holy name, you can double up. But don't, <laughs> don't skip it. Uh, you have to take it like medicine in the beginning. Rupa Goswami says in the beginning, you may think, well, this uh, remedy you've gave me doesn't taste very good. So he gives the example of jaundice. When you have jaundice, the doctor may tell you, take sugarcane juice because it's a curative. But when you try the sugarcane juice, it doesn't taste good. It tastes terrible, in fact. But you have to keep taking it, and as you take it, it will cure the disease, and then you'll taste the sweetness. So in the beginning, we practice strictly the process of bhakti, even though we don't feel like doing it, because the mind may uh, have its own whims. So you have to be very careful, and that's another meaning of initiation. Evam vratasva priyanamakirtya jatanurago jitachuta uchara asatyato rautiti rauti gayati unmaravam drittiti lokabhayaha. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu first took initiation from his guru, Srila Ishvara Puri, he then started crying and finding his, himself uh, acting like a madman in public, and he came back to his guru and he asked him, did you give me the right mantra? 
because this has made me crazy, practically. And his guru said, very good. And he said then, he quoted this verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Evam Vrataswa, which means that when you make a vow to chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and you continue it, then gradually your heart will transform. It actually says it melts. And it becomes very soft and able to uh, hold the uh, beautiful pastimes of Krishna within the heart and also uh, feelings of emotion for Krishna within the heart. But the vrata means that you have to do it even when you don't feel like it and continue to chant Hare Krishna. And that means when you make a vow, it's um, your way of um, promising Krishna that, and your spiritual master that you'll continue taking the medicine until you start feeling the spontaneous attraction to chanting. So when you take initiation, uh, the, the Harinam initiation, it's part of the process of initiation. I'll just give this last uh, explanation. So, uh, the first aspect of initiation is called tapa, which means that you begin to notice that the material world's not your home. And you start to uh, turn away from it and turn towards Krishna. And the second is called pandra, which means you begin to identify yourself as a Vaishnav. Actually, urva pandra means to wear tilak, because it's a decoration that says, actually, my life is for Krishna. Oftentimes when people ask me when I'm moving about the world, what's that paint on your face? And I say it's a mark of dedication. They really appreciate that because people are looking for something to dedicate their lives to, but there, there are very superficial things that they dedicate themselves to, like a sports team. In, a, in California, we have the 49ers, and they're called the 49er faithful. It's a kind of shraddha or faith. We're faithful to the team. Apparently, as a 49er fan, didn't want me to go <laughs> make any offenses here. <laughs> but this is misplaced because, I mean, the team will change and it'll become uh, a source of... It, it, it's nothing you can really dedicate your life to. But if you study who Krishna is and you understand that he's the original source of everything and he's eternal... He's the most beautiful, he's the most kind, he's so friendly, he's with us always. And we focus on Krishna, we make our vrat for him, then we'll, we'll be completely satisfied. So this is very meaningful what you're doing today. And in any community, when someone makes a vow to follow the, the rules and regulations and to continue chanting Hare Krishna, it affects all of us. Uh, it, affects, it affects the whole universe when we make such a, a vow. So we pray on this day for your success in devotional service that Srila uh, Prabhupada, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, and all the great Vaishnavas may inspire you, enter within your heart, and always give you the impetus to practice devotional service. And may you attain perfection in the process of chanting Hare Krishna in this very lifetime and go back home, back to Godhead by the grace of the holy name. And everyone who agrees with these ideas in part or in whole, please say Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna! Hare Krishna. So,
now we'll ask uh, one of your, uh, does somebody have your, your neck beads? Have you designated someone to put them on for you? Okay. So please put her neck beads on now. She's uh, going to wear three strands of beads. <coughs> this uh, section of, of the initiation process is called Nama. And Nama means that you not only uh, receive the name of Krishna from a devotee, but also you get a new name. And that way, um, like in the Federal Witness Protection System, when you turn against the mob and you need protection from the government, they give you a new name, new identity, new address, new ID, everything. So this is uh, like that. You'll get a name that ends in Dasi, which means a servant of Krishna. And after the Nama, initiation comes Mantra. So after some time of being steady and chanting the holy name of the Lord, then one receives from the Guru the Mantra. Mantras are secret, esoteric uh, mantras which are uh, deities into, unto themselves that uh, bring you ever closer to Krishna and uh, assist you in your chanting the Maha Mantra. And then finally, the fifth stage is yaga, which means after the mantra initiation, you can enter into the process of deity worship, which helps to fix your mind on Krishna. So now, Got everything. Thank you. So now you can come up, offer obeisances uh, to your spiritual master, and then I'm going to ask you to somebody put a an asan here for her, please. Asana. Yeah, so she can sit here, and um, you come up here, offer obeisances, and after you receive your name, then you'll offer obeisances to Srila Prabhupada. Yeah, that's good. Do you have a second microphone? You have to be loudly. Let me give you the microphone. So we'll give you the mic. If you have a second mic, that'll help. You have one more? Okay, I'll hand it to her. I have a couple more things to say. So... Um, Would anybody like to say a few words about her path in devotional service before she takes her vows? I think you're qualified. Um, this is the only mic we have, right? Here. that close. Uh, Brinda is my wife uh, and I find it very interesting uh, the way how she came to Krishna consciousness by finding your Srila Prabhupada books from his thrift store 
Uh, the first book she found was The Science of Self-Realization. At that point, she was not in a good state, uh, like uh, in a uh, family and all of the problems she had, you know. And she started reading the book. And the, the day when she completed that book, she ordered the Bhagavad Gita as it is from Amazon. She got that book, she read the book, and then she uh, went again to the thrift store to find books from the same author. Uh, and she found Srimad Bhagavatam first in the second candle. And she, she read the, uh, those books, and then, uh, and then, uh, then after she finished the book, she went to the temple, the Troy Temple. And uh, she even finished the Srimad Bhagavatam, I believe, in, uh, in 56 days. I'm not sure about the exact year, but it's been two, two months, and then she checked in the Charitamrita again in two or three months. And when she was pregnant, she read the entire Srimad Bhagavatam, and um, she read a couple of times Srimad Bhagavad Gita when she was pregnant. Um, one thing that uh, um, inspires me, uh, of course, besides reading is, her attention span. Even while um, she's cooking or something, she will be hearing lectures. And I am listening to the lecture. I may not have the attention span uh, to what the speaker is saying, but she will be hearing and rapt attention. So that is what um, I feel very inspired from her. Like today, from your lecture, she will be sitting like this and hearing each word. Uh, she has been a great inspiration for me uh, in hearing and reading Srila uh, Prabhupada books and lectures. I'm very grateful to have her in my life. Brenda, please tell us which vows you uh, intend to keep for the rest of your life. I vow to chant at least 16 rounds of Hare Krishna daily. I vow to follow the four regulated principles. No meat meats, including fish, eggs, onions, and garlic. No illicit sex, no intoxication, and no gambling. And I vow to read Shiva Prabhupada's books systematically. And finally, I vow to refrain from criticizing the devotees. Thank you very much. 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Following the eternal principle of Parampara, Taking Srila Prabhupada's and Lord Chaitanya's order to expand the Sankirtan movement as my life and soul, and depending on their mercy, the mercy of the previous Acharyas, and all the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord who are like desire trees. I am exceedingly pleased to accept you as my disciple, and therefore a grand disciple of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and a member of the Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. May all the previous Acharyas and the Ocean of Mercy, Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, shower you with their grace. I hereby joyfully award you the name Bilasani Radha Devidasi. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna. Now take upper base to Prabhupada. Hare Rama. Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Now please take the armarman. Natari armarman. Natari armarman. Natari armarman. Hey, Natari armarman. Natari armarman. Natari armarman. Natari armarman.